Why is Bible prophecy one of the most ignored aspects of God's Word in the preaching and teaching programs of most churches? Can the ignoring of it really be justified? Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Once again this week, I have my two colleagues with me uh, in the studio, Nathan Jones and Tim Moore. Nathan is an associate evangelist and he also serves as our web minister. Tim is also an associate evangelist who serves part time by preaching and teaching at churches and conferences on the weekends during his so called spare time. Now, during the week, he serves as a pilot and pilot instructor for UPS. He also is serving in his 12th year in the Kentucky State Legislature. Now, folks, this is the second in a series of programs that we're doing in response to questions that viewers have sent to us. Last week, we considered questions about the integrity of the Bible. You know, is the Bible really the Word of God? This week, we're going to respond to general questions about Bible prophecy. But in the weeks to come, we'll be taking a look at very specific questions that relate to the signs of the times, the rapture, the tribulation, the millennium, and other things. Well, incidentally, if you missed last week's program, you can find it on our website at lamblion.com. Our programs are archived there, and you can watch them on demand. Well, fellas, our focus today is going to be Bible prophecy in general. And uh, I want to jump into this by saying that the first question relates to a comment written in a very, very popular book by one of the best known names in all of Christendom. In his book, he wrote off Bible prophecy as, quote, a distraction that no one should spend time studying. What is your viewpoint on this? Well, that's a tragic perspective on Bible prophecy because the apostles themselves focused on prophecy as a demonstration of, again, the claim that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You can't pull up any of these sermons in Acts without understanding Bible prophecy and its citation over and over again, something that Nathan pointed out last week. I have an electronic Bible. Can I borrow your paper oh, Bible? Oh, certainly. Sure. I'll hold yes. your spot there. Yeah. All right. The Bible prophecy consists of a third of the Bible. Can you imagine ripping, and I'm not going to, exactly. ripping a third of the Bible out and just throwing it away? That's what that pastor or whoever that was was saying, is that, well, let's disregard a third of God's Word. Now, the Bible is inspired and written by the Holy Spirit. So, what you're really saying is, forget what the Holy Spirit has to say, it's not important. I don't know about you, but to me that almost verges on the heretical to even bring yeah. such a point up. Very sad. Why do you think so many pastors have that view that Bible is simply, uh, that Bible prophecy is a distraction? Why do they have that view? Well, I think for one, it, it's a dirty word, study. Uh, you know, some pastors are great orators, they're great speakers, but it involves, uh, you have to get in there and study it, and sometimes it's hard. You have to, for Revelation, for instance, you have to know themes from the Old Testament to understand symbolism in the New. But uh, it's also because they don't see it as practical. It's future, it's something that's out there. And right now I got to deal with divorces in my church, and I got to deal with, with all these family issues I've and heard problems. That over and over. I, it's just, there's too much. And I'm sure we'll get into it. There's a reason why it is valid, but I think that's why. Well, why is it? I think that some pastors will 
point to, it's pie in the sky, but really it is relevant here and now because it gives us assurance that whatever we're experiencing as believers, as people living in a very fallen world, Jesus Christ is coming and all of these things will pale in comparison to the yes. promises we've been given. And okay. so prophecy demonstrates that the very promises of God are trustworthy because He's kept all of His other promises. Yes. And again, it, it is fertile ground for those who are faithful well, students of Scripture. I've had pastor after pastor tell me what, what you said there, uh, Nathan, and that is that, uh, David, you're a traveling evangelist. I'm a located pastor and I've got to deal with the problems in my congregation of of infidelity and drug abuse and alcohol abuse and all this sort of thing. And, and I need something relevant. And the point I always make to them is if you can convince your congregation of two things. Number one, Jesus really is returning. Now, not here, but no. here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's really returning. And number two, that is an event that could occur any moment. You will motivate them to holy living and evangelism. What more could you ask for? Exactly. And that's practical. That's down to earth. The that's Apostle relevant. John agreed with you. First John 3, he said, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, He returns, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope, gives us hope, in Him purifies Himself, just holy as He living. is pure. Holy living. It gives us hope. And it encourages us to know that, if, hey, when the mother is and father are about to return, the kids start behaving themselves. They know when He's coming. But Jesus said, I'm coming like a thief. We don't know when He's coming, so we should always be living holy lives be because ready. the Father's coming home. I had a pastor friend, and, and in good grace I understand he had things that he was trying to communicate to the congregation. But he said, we'll eventually get around to prophecy. And I said, when? I mean, how many years? And I point out to folks that when Paul planted a church in Thessalonica, within a matter of weeks, because that's all the time he spent there, he had already revealed to them the promise of Jesus' return, which is why they wrote him letters trying to gain further understanding. And we thankfully have the books of First and Thess Second Thessalonians that's with right. Paul's responses to their questions. But he didn't wait years and years to get to these topics. He talked to those folks right away in spite of all the challenges that he undoubtedly had in that culture. Well, I really appreciate the, the emphasis that both of you have given to hope because we live in a world that's growing increasingly dark and, yes. and society just falling apart all over the world. People need hope. And when I talk to a Christian uh, and I ask them, what is your hope? They'll usually say, well, <clears throat> my hope is Heaven. I say, okay, what does that mean? And they're yeah. just total silence. Are you going to have a body? Are you going to be recognizable? Are you going to know people? Uh, where is it going to be? Is it going to be in the clouds? Is it going to be on the earth? And they have no idea. But if you know Bible prophecy, you know the answers to all those questions, and it gives you hope. Mm -hmm. yes. You know where you're going. I mean, you don't go on a trip without knowing what the destination yeah. is. Bible prophecy tells us what the destination is and how we're going to get and there. And you know that when Jesus Christ returns, this earth is going to be flooded with peace, righteousness, injustice, Amen. and there'll be no war. It, it's, it's, you get so excited about that. <laughs> you look at <laughs> Give them a rag. And, and yet, yeah. people don't know these things because they don't hear anything about Bible prophecy. Well, so many of the old hymns pointed to prophetic oh, passages. Right. And even yeah. the blessed assurance, Jesus mm -hmm. is mine. How can I have such assurance? Because I can witness fulfilled prophecy in the life of Jesus, prophecies being fulfilled in our very day and age. You pointed out yesterday to me, Dave, that somebody recently told you <laughs> they wish they had lived in biblical times. We're living in biblical times because <laughs> yeah. prophecies are being fulfilled yeah. all around us if we will just open our eyes to see. And that, that's a very good point because right now, you know the Bible says that when it's all over and done that the Jewish people will look back on their history and say, 
The greatest miracle in our history was the deliverance from the four corners of the earth and brought back even greater. It says it will consider it an even greater miracle than their deliverance from Egyptian captivity. It's going on right now, and the average Christian has no idea how important it is. Exactly right. I had a mega pastor come up to me once, and we'd reacquainted, and he says, Wow, you guys sure screwed up with that Harold Camping thing. And I felt like he had just decked me. <laughs> I actually, I physically went like that. Because he equated us with those date setters, the people that the Bible says are false Well, I'm so glad teachers. you mentioned that because I believe that that is one of the major reasons that pastors keep Bible prophecy. Yeah, we're, like we look like Star Trek. Because they have identified people. it with sensationalism mm -hmm. and they don't want to get involved in sensationalism. And from the beginning of this ministry, one of the things we have tried to avoid is getting involved in sensationalism. Right. In fact, I've had people actually write me, and I, I had another Bible prophecy teacher write me one time an, an email that said, You know, Dave, your ministry is really sort of boring. All you do is talk about what the Bible says about the end times. That's when boring. are you going to talk about <laughs> something exciting? Yeah. I thought, what? A 200 million man army coming out of the uh, yeah, earth and destroying just, it is, is not exciting. I think the Bible but there is, is a lot of sensationalism in, yes. in the field of Bible yeah. prophecy. Yes. There are times when I'm embarrassed to be a Bible prophecy teacher because of all the nonsense that goes on. But it doesn't have to be that way. I think another reason pastors are scared of Bible prophecy is because uh, a lot of Bible prophecy teachers tend to be very dogmatic. And they come in and they simply say, okay, here's what it says. Here's what I know it means. And you can take it or leave it. And if you're not going to agree with me, you're going straight to hell. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, you don't have to do that. All you have to do is come in and say, well, here's what I think the Bible teaches. And I hope you'll get in there and study it yourself and find out. Right. And there's sensationalist teachers in Bible prophecy, oh. sure. But there are sensationalist teachers in family planning oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and uh, all sorts of other in different ministries. And we don't drop them. Exactly, yeah, exactly right. Satan loves when we are distracted and when the world is distracted by those who are discrediting yeah. to the very Word of God. And that's something we purpose never to be in yeah, this ministry, right. but to declare that that's which right. Jesus declared. Like we said last week, even the book of Revelation is Jesus' unveiling right. of His plan for the end times, and we just proclaim that message. Okay, well, let's go to another question. And this question relates not only to pastors, but Christians in general. I just find people love to write off Bible prophecy a certain way. They'll say, I'll say, uh, what is your end time belief about Bible prophecy. And they'll say, well, I'll tell you what, I'm neither pre-mill or post-mill or ah-mill. I'm a pan-millennialist because I believe it's all going to pan out in the end. I've heard that so many times. I just heard that this month. This <laughs> month I heard a pastor and the crowd went wild. They're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I want to say to a pastor who says that to me, you have just admitted you are too lazy to study. Exactly. Or that you do not care. And, and we should have a hungering for the Word of God. And the things that He has revealed, it is for the purpose of informing us. And so, if God has taken the time to reveal it to us, why would we want to stay ignorant or willfully unaware of yeah. what He wants us to understand? Right. Well, it's, it's a sad situation that uh, people have that attitude. But uh, I think also one of the problems is that to really understand Bible prophecy, you've got to get into the Old Testament. You've got to study it, and people just don't want to do that. Right. Right. And it's a shame, too, because what it's robbing you of is it's robbing you of the 30,000 foot view where you get to see all of God's plan from the way God sees it. Instead, we're trapped in the minutia and in the minutia of life. And when you don't have the 30,000 foot plan, you, you're just like spinning your wheels. You don't know well, where to go. That's a good point because people often, we know this from the questions, uh, people get so Concerned with minutia, right. 
Okay. And and they they don't get the big picture. It's right. well, I'm, I've just got to. I can't sleep because I got to find out who this 144,000 is, or I've got to. Uh, do I have the the mark of the beast because uh, I've got a, a, a credit card that says 666, or uh, you know whatever. And and very few people seem to get the overall view, which is so important. It is so important, and it also goes back to what is your passion. I had a young man one time ask me, "How do you remember all these things?" And I asked him, <laughs> "What's your favorite ball team?" And I said, "What's their statistic this year?" Mm-hmm. Going back, mm-hmm. well, you could cite chapter and verse of every player, every statistic, and that was his passion. That's what his passion is. Yeah. And I said, I don't know any of those things, but I have a hunger for the Word of God. And and I wasn't trying to condemn him, but I I gave him a challenge. If your hunger is for understanding what God has clearly revealed, then you will gain understanding as you study right. His Word. And he he went away encouraged. Well, you know, uh, one of the reasons for studying. Uh, uh, the Bible prophecy in detail is that it validates not only the Bible as the Word of God, which we discussed last week, but it validates Jesus as the yes, Son of God. Absolutely. And give us the example of that. Uh, uh, Nathan, well, yeah. of, of Bible the, prophecy validates Jesus, Jesus as the Son of God through fulfilled prophecies. Give us the example from Stoner. Oh, the Peter Stoner one. Yes. Well, there are 300 general prophecies, 109 yeah. distinct yeah. prophecies. Like he would be born in Bethlehem. He would come from Egypt. Have his hands uh, and feet pierced. He did, yeah, the crucifixion, 700 years it was prophesied yeah, yeah. before it happened. And Jesus fulfilled all 109 prophecies. Now, Peter Stoner, a mathematician, he said, well, let's just take eight of these prophecies. And he figured mathematically that the chances of all eight fulfilled in life of one man is one in 10 to the 17. That's a one with 17 zeros behind it. Statistically impossible, but not with God. Not Give with us God. an example of what that means, one in 10 to the 17th power. What, intent, what does that mean? That means I have to draw Give a us lot an illustration. of zeros. That's Give where us an you should take a quarter, paint it red, and bury it in a sea of quarters in the state of Texas, Two waist feet deep. deep. Yeah, and bulldoze them around for a few years, yeah. and then go out and at random pick one quarter. And the odds of finding that one quarter out of that sea of quarters—it's impossible. You know, here's the other final word. Jesus Himself, again in Revelation, it tells us that the Spirit. Or excuse me, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. All prophecy in the end points to Jesus Christ, points to His mm-hmm. role, not only in being the Messiah, but in returning. It all points to Him. And that's why we have a passion for studying it. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion of questions related to Bible prophecy in general. Well, fellas, the first question I want to get to is one that relates to end time viewpoints. I grew up in a church that taught that Jesus would never put his foot on this earth again. It's called amillennialism. Uh, today, it seems like every time I tune in, I'm hearing somebody talk about, well, Jesus is not going to come back until the church takes over the world, reigns for a thousand years, and then Jesus will come. And then uh, I, there's all kinds of viewpoints. Why are there so many different viewpoints about end time Bible prophecy? Well, I think that sometimes people have preconceived ideas even when they come to Scripture. And we need to set those aside. There are some who believe in the uh, lifting up of man, and so they think, well, man is in the church, and so we will be able to aspire to deliver over the world to the to Lord when He returns in some spiritual sense. But we need to put all of our preconceived notions aside when we turn to Scripture and just mm-hmm. see what the Lord has to say about the end times. Okay. I hear pastors say that sometimes. They say, well, I, can't, I don't want to study Bible prophecy because there's just too many views, and if there's so many views, then it must discount the fact that it's true. 
but isn't there too many views about everything? I mean, all you have to yeah. do is get on Facebook for an hour and you're like, well, there are too many views about everything. And I think you're right, Tim. We come in it with preconceived notions or we haven't studied through it. Mm -hmm. I like to call it symbolicali. People have a, a terrible sickness called symbolicali where they don't interpret the Bible as it's meant to be interpreted. The exactly proper right. hermeneutic, if we can use a technical term. The plain, if the plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense lest you come with nonsense. And unfortunately, people don't look at the plain sense meetings. They don't look at the, let the Bible interpret the symbols. And they come up with these crazy end time views. In the church I grew up in, we were taught that the Bible was the Word of God, the inerrant Word of God. And we were taught that it means exactly what it says from beginning to end, unless it's talking about the second coming, in which case it never means what it says. Well, see, there's a preconceived because, idea. Because yeah. they said that's apocalyptic literature. In apocalyptic literature, never means what it says. Well, I, I would obviously disagree. I think the Bible interprets itself, as Nathan said, and oftentimes within the same passage. So in Revelation 1, the, the Lord talks, talks about lampstands, and it goes on in the same chapter to interpret those lampstands. Sometimes you have to go back to the Old Testament. But if you come in expecting, well, these things don't mean what they say, then you'll never seek or recognize the plain sense meaning I, that is offered. I think that's you. one of the greatest abuses of the Bible in general, not just with Bible prophecy, but in general, is exactly. the spiritualization of Scripture, saying, well, it doesn't mean what it says. Let me tell you what it means. Oh, well, of course, that makes you God. Yes. And, and mm -hmm. people love to spiritualize because then they can say, now I'm going to tell you what it really means. Yeah, right. <laughs> They've got the secret knowledge, the, the Gnostic knowledge. Yeah, yes, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a sad situation. Uh, because I think God knows how to communicate. I think He wants to communicate. I don't think you have to have a PhD in something called uh, hermeneutics or whatever to understand God's Word. What you do need to get beyond the surface, to get beyond just say the Gospel account, is you need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit uh, yeah, to understand the Bible in depth. But if you have that and you, you you can understand. Well, even the uh, the understanding of the gospel as terms of uh, responding to it requires the Holy Spirit as well. So really, well, the key the Spirit, to everything yeah, to is call, the yeah. key to our understanding. But every Christian, every believer, has the Holy Spirit, and so you have the key to understanding Scripture if you'll just open it and read it, as we discussed last week. So I would uh, just urge people to take it for its plain, uh, for its plain sense meaning. When you start, people start saying to you, "Well, the 144,000 Jews are not 144,000 Jews." That, that, uh, <laughs> it even uh, names the tribes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they're named by tribe. You think, what does God have to do? Put neon lights in the sky, <laughs> saying, "These are Jews. These like are Jews. That. These are Jews." Yeah. But again, the reason they can't accept that is because of preconceived concept that God has washed His hands. The Jews has no purpose left for the Jews, and exactly. it all comes out of replacement theology. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. okay, what it, we, we we talked about the end time viewpoints. We've talked about the proper interpretation. Well, the next question that people send in a lot is, why do Bible prophecy experts tend to focus on the Jewish people and the nation of Israel? I hear that all the time. Why are you so obsessed with Israel? Well, because God Himself was focused on the <laughs> Jewish people and the nation of Israel. He said they were the apple of His eye. In Zechariah chapter 2, He goes on and on about how His focus is on Israel and the Jewish people, both as a conduit of blessing to the rest of the world and as a recipient of significant blessings that remain to this day. So, it is only, likely, or it is only natural that we would also have the same focus as the Lord God yeah. if we study His Word. 
people seem to forget that Jesus was Jewish. And <laughs> he, he yeah, came, really? There was a, a reason he came to the Jewish people. They were meant to be set apart for him. And, and he has promises still to fulfill to them. They haven't, some, sure, the, the church is the focus now, but the church isn't going to be the focus after the rapture. Israel will be back. And we're seeing it increasingly in the news, day and day. Israel is the focus. And just as you said, yes. Zechariah 12 and 14 prophesied. Jesus will return. And where does he return? He returns to Israel. to Israel. He enters into Jerusalem. So, and then the Jewish people, those who get saved during the tribulation, are promised to be a priestly people during the millennial kingdom. So, if you're not looking at the Jews when it comes to Bible prophecy, you're missing all the setup before the play begins. And that's what we're seeing today. Yeah, you know, the end time focus of the Bible is the Jewish people. And one of the reasons for that is because over in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel was given a vision of what we call the 70 weeks of years. And it says there that God's going to accomplish certain things during that uh, period of time. And those things have not been accomplished. And so they're going to be accomplished in the last seven years of that 490 years. We've got a gap when God set the Jewish people aside because of their refusal to accept Jesus as Messiah and put them under discipline. And they're under discipline now. But the day is coming when we're going to be taken out and God's going to focus once more. And during that seven years, He's going to accomplish all of those promises uh, that He made to the Jewish people in uh, Daniel chapter 9. There were quite a number of promises there. And He said, in that 490 w years, He says, uh, your holy city, uh, I will finish the you'll finish your transgression. Their sin against God will come to an end. Uh, make an end of your sin, atonement for your iniquity. That's been done. That's the only one that's been done. To bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision. That means it's going to fulfill all prophecy, yep. and to anoint the most holy place. Well, well those things are going to happen, and and the focus is on the Jewish people. The great uh, evangelist to the Gentiles, Paul, in the book of Romans, where he laid out. The case for Christ yeah. in the New Testament makes it very clear in Romans chapter 11 and elsewhere that Israel has not been cast away. They still have promises left to be fulfilled. And so we can focus on Israel knowing that they are key to understanding even the timeline of in God's fact, When Jesus final plan. ascended into heaven, he, he said in Acts chapter 1, uh, they asked him, said, Now, is this the time when you're going to establish the kingdom? Speaking of the Jewish kingdom, which yes. the uh, scriptures promised. And he didn't call them dummies. I mean, he'd been teaching them for 40 days. All he said was, it's not for you to know the time. But he certainly affirmed the fact there was going to be a yes. Jewish kingdom in the future. So, uh, yes, uh, uh, there are things yet to be fulfilled, and it focuses upon the Jewish people. There's no doubt about that. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, let's uh, go to a next uh, question. And that question has to do with, um, all <coughs> is all end-time prophecy contained in the New Testament, or is there some in the Old Testament? Oh, my. <laughs> there is a tremendous amount in the Old Testament. That's again the foundation of all the prophecies. I love going all the way back to Genesis because even there, there are hints of things to come. The life of Joseph is a picture of Jesus Christ and the deliverance of his brothers, going back to the Jewish nation, when he finally reveals yeah. himself to his brothers. They look upon him who they had despised and realized he has brought salvation to his family. That is a picture of Jesus Christ returning. I love even going back to Genesis chapter 18 where uh, Abraham recognizing that uh, Sarah is going to have a child asks, is, is this really going to happen? And Sarah herself asked, am I going to have a child indeed uh, when I am so old? 
And the Lord responds, is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. Now, he's talking about coming and bringing a son, but that is a glimpse of a promise made that he is going to return. When? At the appointed time. All throughout the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. There are prophetic uh, uh, types and prophetic promises. The oldest book in the promises. Old Testament is the book of Job. And Job yes. makes a comment right in the middle of the book that I know by revelation, by faith, that one day I will be resurrected from the dead, and you will stand on the earth, and I will stand before and you. And I will stand before you. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I had to look this up, because I, that's a great question. In the Encyclopedia of Bible Prophecy by J. Barton Payne, he says that you want to know total amount of Bible prophecies, 1,239 in the Old Testament, 578 prophecies in the New Testament, for a total of 1,817 prophecies total in the Bible, of 8,000 352 verses covered in Bible prophecy. Wow. The Bible covers a lot of prophecy. Yes, but, it does. Uh, uh, you know, some of those are first coming, some of them are yes. second coming. Yeah. A lot of them, though, don't have anything to do with the Messiah. They have to right. do with it's cities, just, towns, just uh, empires, people like Cyrus, and so forth. Right. But with regard to end time prophecy, there is a lot in the Old Testament. Well, For example, if you want to find out what the millennial reign of Jesus Christ is going to be like, you've got to go to the book of Isaiah. His prophecy after prophecy after. You don't go to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is about the tribulation. And it only has one chapter about the millennium. And mainly the only thing it tells us there is how long it's going to last. But if you want to know the characteristics of the millennium, you've got to go to the Isaiah. I love Psalm 2, which we've talked oh, about yeah. on this oh, program yeah. before. But at the very uh, last verse of Psalm 2, it says, Do homage to the Son, that He not become angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in Him. And so, this, this chapter from the Old Testament written yeah. in the time of David is already pointing to that That's coming right. Right. return of the Son of God in great wrath, but mm -hmm. delivering those who take refuge in Him. Okay, we've salvation. got about a minute left in this segment, and so let me ask you this final question here. People are always writing in, well, where should I start studying Bible prophecy? If, uh, of course, in the Bible, but outside the Bible, where should I start studying? What what book should I get? Well, obviously, the Bible is the go-to book. Yeah, My yeah. favorite book used to be the Master Plan, <laughs> which was written by you, and a long actually, time ago in the 80s. oh, this was a great book. Mine is very dog-eared, as opposed to this uh, version that has never been used before. But now, thankfully, yeah. you've expanded into yeah, God's plan for the ages, yeah. and so literally, this was the book that I used having been inspired to delve into the Word of God to really provide a, uh, a compository uh, overview as we yeah. talked about previously. Well, the very first book I picked up was uh, one by Tim LaHaye called Il Revelation Illustrated uh, and Made Plain. And it just, boy, it really opened up the book of Revelation to me. What about you? I think people should go to BibleProphecyResources.com, oh. which is our own online store, and they will find 15 books by Dr. David Reagan and various other authors. And if you go there, I think that's the best place to start. What about another author? Place. Does one come to mind to you? I love Ron Rhodes. Ron I, Rhodes I eat up Ron Rhodes' book like yeah. popcorn. They are fantastic. Ed Heinsohn, like you said, Tim yeah. LaHaye is yes. fantastic. Well, folks, that's our program for today. I hope it has been a blessing to you, and I hope you'll be back with us next week when we will focus on questions specifically related to the signs of the times. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Dr. David Reagan's book, God's Plan for the Ages, contains a comprehensive overview of all aspects of Bible prophecy. It's written in an easy to understand, down to earth style that you will find appealing. 
In addition to all the prophecies concerning the first and second comings of the Messiah, it deals with a host of other prophetic questions such as, what happens when you die? What will heaven be like? What's the future of the earth? Where is the United States in prophecy? When is the rapture most likely to occur? Is the Antichrist alive today? Are there signs of the times that are unique to our day and age? The book contains a variety of charts and diagrams which illustrate various aspects of Bible prophecy. The book is available for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. Please call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, and ask for it by name, or order online at lamblion.com. The book contains 42 exciting chapters about Bible prophecy and runs a total of 415 pages. Again, it can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including shipping. And for a limited time, we will include a copy of Dr. Reagan's DVD, What Happens When You Die. Ask for order number 857 when calling the number you see on the screen, or order on our website at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.